Today we're going to be talking about from the earthly to the eternal perspective of things. Today we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit takes this a step further and, and talks about how our bodies, um, like what are these bodies that we're in right now, kind of where we're going. Okay, those are some of the scriptures we're going to look at. We're going to look at something called the Bema Seed of God. Okay, this is a, a time of judgment in the future, but it's something good. Uh, so for believers, that's something to be excited about. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at how we are at peace with God. Okay, so um, in our sins, our sins can make us kind of uh, an enemy of God in a way. Uh, it separates us from God. You can't have dark and light in the same place. But now we're going to look how we can have peace with God. All right, and we're going to look at the Day of Atonement. So we have a lot to go over today. So if you had uh, lunch plans, cancel them. We're going to go Pentecostal style. We're going to 3 p.m. today. All right, let's get into it. Uh, for we know that if our, heaven, our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So for anybody that's ever uh, stayed in a tent, okay, um, they are for short-term stays. Some of us, I, I remember um, I, my kids and I, because I'm not very like, handy in the wilderness, I just watch people camp and I get excited and I, I feel like I'm camping because I'm watching them camp. Same thing with uh, people cleaning. I like watching uh, Detail Geek and it's like, wow, that guy's really clean. But um, So we watch people camp, right? And some of these guys, there's one guy, we, we call him uh, Batman, right? Um, he's, he has all these fancy gadgets. It's like million-dollar camping, right? So he comes in with a Range Rover. Uh, then he, the, the hydraulics let the, let the Jeep down a little bit. He hooks a, a tent to the back. Uh, he has, like, electric, LED, everything. It's, like, the coolest thing. Sometimes they'll have, like, they'll set up a living room with widescreen TVs and a blow-up couch. Like, wow, right? But regardless of how fancy your tent is, it's, it's still vulnerable to leaks. It's vulnerable to the elements, right? Uh, the, the bear doesn't care what your net worth is, and he'll come through if he smells food, and he will destroy that thing. Um, because tents are not made for being long-lasting. They're meant for a little bit, right? So it's interesting that Paul is, is um, referencing our bodies to tents. They're just short-term. Some of us have fancy tents with abs. Some of us have leaky tents with herniated discs, all right? But regardless of your tent, they're not meant for long term. You don't want to live in a tent for that long, okay? So that is, that is something we want to look forward to because in the future, um, you know, thinking about like the, the three pigs, right, and, and where we're building our houses, we're going to have these beautiful... Um, I don't know if it's necessarily mansions, like the thought of a long driveway growing up with this huge, it, you know, it could be different, um, it could be rooms, it, but whatever our earthly, our heavenly bodies are, it's going to be something that is eternal, something that can't be destroyed, and it's going to be in the presence of God, which is the most important part, and for that body, there will be no leaks, there'll be no vulnerabilities, it's going to be it's going to be perfect. So in the same way, God's made a place for our souls to inhabit. So for believers, we don't die. We just move. Okay, We go from here, we move to heaven. So a Christian, a true Christian who believed that Jesus paid for their sins and he's Lord of their life, he, he has two places. He or she has two places, heaven or earth. right? But the unbeliever... They have two places too. It's either earth or hell, and there is no, there's no different. There's, there's there's no negotiating, and there's no other place. It's very simple, very clear. We either have payment for sins and Lord of our life, or we want to pay for our sins ourselves, right? And that is hell. Um, it's not a fun topic to preach about, but the Bible, you know, is the truth, and that's what the Bible says. And Verses 2 to 3, for in this we groan, meaning in this tent, we groan, 
earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven, if indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. So my my daughter was uh, impersonating me trying to get out of bed. Um, It's usually a countdown. And then I have to work my way up to get into the right angle to not hurt my back. And then it's a lot of grunting. And then I eventually get up. And I'm able to start moving where the where the creaks and everything start to slowly go away, and I feel uh, like a human again. Um, but that's that's just physically we're groaning. Spiritually too, we're also groaning. We're just like, when's this going to end, right? But we don't want to live a life with a death wish. Uh, we don't want to live just living every day hoping to to get out of here where then our lives are not being used for God's glory because he has us here for a reason and he's given us these awesome ministries to to take advantage of so yes we should look forward to heaven but not in in the process of sacrificing uh, our earthly ministries which we're going to get into uh, in a little bit because God has equipped each and every one of us here with spiritual gifts, uh, a ministry, a calling, where he could use our lives in awesome and mighty ways. And we don't want to waste a minute of it because we only have so much time. We only have a little bit of time in, in the depth of, you know, of humankind. We have like one one-hundredth of, you know, of all of mankind. We just have a little bit, right? The older we get, the more we realize how small of a time we're here for when we're young, it's like we're here forever. We're here forever. Um, every, you know, all the time takes forever. You know, road trips take forever. Are we here yet? Are we there yet? Right? But as we get older, we have a little more perspective. Um, we're only here for a little bit. So the closer we get to God and forsake the earthly things, like give up those earthly things and take on the eternal, the more we see the world for what it is and can live a life that reflects Scripture. So... It's like the more we kind of submit to God, the more the Bible makes sense. But if we never kind of give up those things, then, you know, it doesn't really make sense. And and it doesn't speak the same way. In Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. It's like win-win, right? It's like, what do we have to be scared of? What do we have to worry about? What are we fearing? What do we, what do we, um, there's nothing, you know, that can possibly do anything to us because to live is Christ and to die is gain. I have a friend, his biggest fear, uh, I'll rant, you know, I'll talk to him every once in a while and he'll just say, my biggest fear is death. And I'm like, good, you know, maybe that could draw you to getting closer to Jesus. But then there's like a veil, like he just can't get Jesus. But like as Christians, we might be a little nervous or scared of death because it's like the unknown and it's like, okay, we don't really know what's going to happen. But what the Bible says right, about, about heaven uh, is an amazing, awesome thing. So we should be looking forward to and our bodies will tell us. And not only that, uh, we're going to get into how God actually leaves us a down payment to, to let us know that just in case you're not super confident about heaven, I'm going to leave you a down payment to let you know that this is real and it's going to be pretty sweet. In verse 4, For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. So like we're living in this life, we have groanings, we have shortcomings, and we're anxiously waiting for our permanent dwelling place. But if we spend most of our time focusing on our tents and just here and now in this world, um, we might not have that same excitement uh, for heaven because we're so focused here and now um, that, we're, that we're not really getting in the right perspective, right? And that's where Paul's trying to get us. Uh, in verse 5, Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. That's the down payment, right? We go to buy a house. Uh, for some of us here, uh, for the ballers here, you guys pay all cash. $700,000, fine. Let me just go to my car. I'll get my briefcase of money. 
here it is, right? Well, you know, there's a few of us here. But for many of us here, uh, you, you can't pay the whole thing, right? So you have to do a down payment. Uh, it's also like, like an engagement ring, okay? This ring that I'm giving you is, is a promise to say that I'm going to marry you, right? It's, it's a promise. It's not the marriage, right? It's the promise to say in a little bit, we're going to get married. I'm, I'm devoting my life to you. We're going to get married. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of us is God's engagement ring. Okay? The Holy Spirit that lives inside of us is God's down payment to say, in the future, we're going to be together forever, for eternity, in heaven. And we're going, it's going to be amazing. Okay? Now, how do you know if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Well, first step is you have to admit you're a sinner. right? So you confess your sins, not to a priest, not to a, a fancy collar, Right? You confess your sins to God. Okay? And there, for some of us, it could be a time where you do it publicly, right? Where you actually will come, you know, come in front of people and confess it before people. But you want to confess to God. I'm a sinner, right? I have sins. We all have sins. Have you lied, stolen, you know, all these things. These are all sins, right? Now, those sins separate us from God, right? So we have a separation from God. And as a result, we, we can't go to heaven because those sins keep us from the holiness of God. God's perfection. God's like just, just light, right? So, Jesus said that I'm going to take on sins and be sins for everybody. I'm going to take on everybody's sin. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. And now, because of Jesus, now we could be in the presence of God in heaven. So, it's all about Jesus. But it starts with that confession and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then we get something called the Holy Spirit, the helper, to live inside of us. We become temples of God. We now have God living inside of us. And then what does the Holy Spirit do? It convicts the world of, of sin, judgment, and righteousness. So uh, we, we start to now try to do the old things we used to do, and it just doesn't feel the same. We try to, you know, uh, have the fun the old way we used to have it, and it's not that fun anymore. Um, God will start telling us to do things that don't really make sense, and our lives start changing uh, for His glory. And it's not just now the earthly things like this. You know, it used to be, um, you know, like uh, you remember in old TV shows when a young lady was thinking about whether she should be with a boy or not, and she makes a list, and or she has flowers, and she rips one off a petal, and it's like, oh, well, this one, you know, he's, he's really sweet, and oh, well, but, you know, he can kind of get mean. It's not like when we make decisions as Christians, we're not making just decisions that are going to feed our, our flesh. When we're Christians, we make spirits, uh, decisions that feed our spirit. It's different. So you might... Like, you know, when I became a teacher, I didn't want to be a teacher. I thought teachers were losers who couldn't make it in the real world. I'm sorry. Um, I, thought, I thought teachers, like, you know, if you, can't, if you can't do, teach. And if you can't teach, teach phys ed. So then now, so I'm working, and that's what I teach. So then I'm working. Um, people are like, why don't you work in Long Island? You can make so much money. And, uh, you know, just do that. And I felt God was calling me to work in the South Bronx. And now I'm, I've been there for about 16 years. And um, the fruit that's come out of it has been pretty awesome, uh, especially, you know, over the last few years. And um, it doesn't make earthly sense. So when you start walking with Jesus... He may ask you to do things that don't make earthly sense, but spiritually they make sense. And then you start to see the fruit come out of it, right? Like imagine, uh, you know, the doctor who, who um, does, you know, some work in missionary work. And you're like, but, well, you know, you're missing out on money. But when that, when that person's called to do it, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense, earthly sense, but spiritually God starts convicting you. That's not something of the flesh. That's how you know you have the Holy Spirit living in you, okay? Uh, you might be with your friends, right? Old school, you and your friends used to smoke, 
and used to smoke weed and have the scythe, as the kids say. You could tell, tell Jefferson, you could tell the kids I said the scythe. Um, right? You have the scythe, right? You got a pass, right? And then all of a sudden you become a Christian and now you're like, oh, I don't know, this, I don't, I feel like this is not right, but you know, like, you start to feel this conviction. It starts to bring stuff up, right? Um, that's the Holy Spirit. That's how you know that you're, that you're saved. That's how you know that you are, have a down payment that in the future you're, you're gonna be in heaven. So we are always confident knowing that while we're at home in this body, we're actually absent from the Lord, right? When we're here, we're not with the Lord. We're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Okay, today you're going to see a lot of these awesome scriptures that are great memory verses. Uh, so now it's cool to know where they are, right? Second Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. So even though we're not with him, we have faith that we're going to do His will. Uh, we say, we, we, He says in His Word to do things. We follow the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, we don't rely on emotions. We don't rely on feelings. All right? Now, faith, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, if we see it, then it does not require faith. For maybe there's some people here who are close to taking a big step. That's for them, it's a big step. For God, it's already done and He's already seen the result, right? But you're 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 at a crossroads and you want to make a choice: Do I follow Jesus, or do I kind of half follow Jesus, which is ultimately not following Jesus, and try to live this double life? And in our progression and walk with Him, He'll have us at these moments where we decide. To follow him or to kind of not do it. And then what happens is he'll try to get you back for years. Could be 10, 20, 30, 40 years to get you back into his will. To get you right back to the place where he was trying to get you today. So instead of trying to run and negotiate and try to do things like some other way. He's asking us to step out in faith. And it may not make monetary sense. But you know that God's calling you to do this. And when he does, he comes through so big and so powerfully that you always, in the, when you look back, you're like, why did I even question that? And then that is the motivation for the next time to, to just, just keep going it quicker with it, right? That's how he builds trust with us. So it could be something small, right? It could be you're in a relationship with someone, God's trying to get you out of it. Now, that sounds easy unless you've been there. You're in a relationship with a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, you know that God does not have you with that person, and God's asking you to break up with them. Catherine and I have been together since high school. Now, 18 years old, 17 years old, we met when I was 14, she was 13. Uh, that's 23, 27 years, I don't know, 27 years ago. I was like, did I, we were just doing a subtraction with age. I'm like, did I... Do that number right? I guess so. Yeah, so 27 years ago, um, we've known each other, and now I'm serving Jesus at 25, and God is telling me that we should break up, okay, both of us, we should break up, and I remember being across the street in Arby's with Pastor Drew and Susan, uh, may, it might have been now, maybe a little later, 27, 28, and... They were going to hold us accountable to not talk to each other. Now, I just have known her. She's my best friend, right? That's all I've known. Uh, but for us, we were idols in each other's life. We, if we were sad or mad or glad, like we just went to each other. We were idols. So they were, we were getting each other's way of growing with God. And that was hard because so then, you know, Drew was uh, trying to encourage us and help us and Susan's like, I'm going to keep you guys accountable to not talk to one another. Uh, and that was really hard. Now, we fast forward two years later, uh, you know, we, we got back together, got married, and things uh, were done in more order. But for years, missing out on so many blessings that God was trying to do, he was trying to get us to a place of spiritual maturity with him one-on-one. And we were fighting it, right? Not everything is going to be 
black and white in the Bible. Everybody's walk is a little different. So just because that was our situation doesn't necessarily mean it's your situation, but the Bible and his spirit, they speak to us. And you know when something is of him because it doesn't make earthly sense. My flesh said just continue, right? But the spirit was convicting me to do something different. And you might be convicted today. And the, the encouragement, the exhortation is to listen because it's a blessing. It's, it might hurt just like the cross hurt Jesus, but despising the shame, Jesus took on that cross to give us freedom. It's a blessing in the future. Um, in John 20, verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed, right? We're those blessed who have not seen Jesus, but we still believe. We believe these things and we do these things out of faith, right? And he said we're going to be blessed, okay? We're confident, yes, well, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord, right? So we could live on this that this is the worst it's going to get for us believers, okay? But for unbelievers, this is actually the best it's going to get, right? So if you think this world is great, and you're an unbeliever, um, then, you know, good for you. But if you think this world is horrible and you're an unbeliever, unfortunately, this is the best it's going to be for you. But for believers, this is the worst, right? And God's even blessed us with the peace that's beyond understanding, love, joy, all these things God's given us, uh, fruits of the Spirit, to, to live in this world. So he blesses us here and then even more so in eternity. In Romans 8.38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, we shouldn't be miserable and, and be angry every day and hope to die. Okay, That's, that's not from God, that's from the enemy. Because every day we should wake up thankful because He's given us a mission. Okay? And if you're not thinking about your mission, you're going to get depressed. You're going to get just kind of just weary because we're meant to be active. All right? Now, we don't want to get active and just to, for the sake of being active, but as men and women, we want to feel productive. Right? And God's given us a mission. We have a purpose. Right? And that's what our lives here are for. It's when we focus on, and this was my walk for many years, just not sinning. That's not what the Christian walk is. Christian walk is not just not sinning. Okay, that's why we're saved by grace, right? So if we could focus on just get all our eyes off ourselves and not living up to some, some perfection that we can't even meet, but start focusing that we're already saved, we're clean, we're white as snow, regardless of our best or our worst, we're saved by Jesus, now we can start moving forward. Why, though, did you save me? Right? And for so many years, how many Christians could live in just that, where we're just focused on, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I messed up, I did it again. And we just live there for years and years and years until we understand grace and we understand what Jesus actually did for us. He didn't save us just to make us then like have to re-save ourselves. We're saved. We're always covered by the blood of Jesus. So now he wants us to walk. And, and do what he's actually called us to do. Why does he use us? I don't know. He probably could get a lot better job done with angels, but he's chosen to use us, right? And he changes us. And now the people in our lives are like, who are you, right? And you're like, I don't know. It's just Jesus doing something in my life. I'm not sure what's going on, right? But it's, it's that submission that God just wants our hearts. He wants, he wants it all. That's why Jesus died. But it's an awesome thing. So we're holders of truth and life. So if we're not going to share, who is? Right? It's not going to be our unbelieving coworkers, right? We we have to we have to be sensitive to what God wants to do in our life. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to Him. Okay, simple, but not that simple. But simple with Him, but it's kind of hard, right? So this is a good scripture to help us in those gray areas. Like, is this pleasing to the Lord? Okay. Does the Bible say not to do this thing that I'm involved in or to do it? You feel conviction and you, you, know, you feel like something's not right that you're partaking in that, but you're like, the Bible doesn't say really anything about that. Maybe it's some new you know, type of 
uh, AI-derived, some fun, like that doesn't exist, right, in the Bible times. But a very simple filter is, is this pleasing to the Lord? Um, does it match up with Scripture? Is it, is it drawing me closer or farther away from Jesus? Um, doing this, do I feel, you know, that I want to serve him? Or doing this, am I just serving my flesh? These are ways, you know, simple ways to kind of filter through our daily choices. The more, the more you listen to that conviction, that voice, the closer you're going to get to Jesus, the more you're going to be freed. And you'll, you'll start to see the difference. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So the judgment seat here, this is for believers. Okay, We're not going to be judged for our sins because Jesus did that already on the cross. All right, uh, Jesus said it's finished. Every sin, future, past, every sin of mankind is already taken care of. Right. So that's well, this is... This is not a judgment seat for whether we are uh, going to heaven or not. Okay, we're we're judged by the things we do with the gifts and talents that God gave us. Okay, and that's the encouragement today is to do and take advantage of the um, the skills God's given you, the talents God's given you, the um, the the calling, the specific calling, and spiritual gifts God's given each and every one of you, are you using them? Okay? So you, you think about the guy who, who had, you know, the different people who had talents. Uh, some of them, uh, you know, were given something to invest, uh, essentially, right? One guy just hit it. Another guy, you know, he got a little, a little return on it. Uh, you know, one guy got a big return on it, right? And the person who who got a big return on the investment, he was given more. Okay, that's, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the, the, um, the parable, but essentially we have to think about in your life, would you say that you are using the things that God gave you for his glory or are you just taking the talents and burying them? And then when he comes to check to see what you've done, are you going to just give him back the original or did, that this is, this is what he's talking about here. Okay, and this is known as the Bema Seat of Judgment. Okay? It's the Bema Seat of Judgment. Uh, in the Bema Seat, it would take place uh, where, where a judge would, would judge others. There's also other uh, scriptures that, um, or, I'm sorry, historical documents that may say the Bema Seat could be the place where, um, like, athletes after, uh, you know, in, in the Olympics, would stand on to receive their, their reward, okay? So for believers, the Bema Seed is what rewards are we going to get in heaven? So we're going to get rewards in heaven. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be like something I'm doing right now, right? In some ways, I'm receiving my reward here because it's open, right? So it's, you know, I'm, it's sometimes easier to do what I'm doing than to be the person praying at home, um, you know, with private ministries, not in the public. So you're not necessarily going to um, be public about it. It's what is God calling you to do. All right. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciousness. So terror of the Lord, we don't have to be scared of God. All right. And a lot of us will have a relationship with God depending on our relationship with our fathers, like our earthly fathers. So if you had no earthly father, it's kind of hard to trust a God because you're like, you'll probably just leave me like my actual dad did. Or maybe you have a, a, an abusive father and you're scared of God because you think that God's going to just discipline you nonstop. Or maybe you have a cold father you've never been able to be intimate to because you know he's just not a warm person. right? But we learn... From the Bible, who the the, like, the person of, of God is, who who the who, I mean, who the Father is, okay? Uh, the Father is loving, right? We've learned, we've seen, experienced by Jesus, merciful, right? Not not finding us in sin, right? Like the person, like the woman caught in the act of adultery, right? What did Jesus do there? Did he start beating her? Did he throw rocks at her? Or did he say, "I have mercy on you," right? That's the mercy, that's the, the father of, that's the heart of God. That's the heart of the father. 
Okay? So we don't have to be scared of God. Right? God loves us. God loves us so much He sent His Son to die for us. Right? But we know what's in store for the world. Right? And that's why we're compelled to share the love of Jesus with the world. Right? Uh, when I was a Jew, uh, growing up Jewish, you know, we, we weren't really big into evangelism. It was more like we're good because we're Jewish and we don't really need more people. Uh, <laughs> so, right. But as Christians, we're compelled to share because it'd be like, you know, you have a, this life raft. You see people drowning everywhere you go. God starts opening your eyes and gives you mercy and a heart for people. And you're just like, you just ha- you have nothing else but to do. But here, here, here it is. You know, it stinks at, at work when I'm teaching uh, in health class. It's funny because one of, one of the students in my class is a Christian. And I could only take it so far. So whenever I get, and he's, he's Pentecostal, right? So when I get close to the edge of almost like giving an altar call and, you know, confess, he just starts clapping. Uh, and he's like, let's go. You know, like he gets so punk as he knows where I'm going. Um, but, you know, I'm only allowed to share like biblical principles about certain things. Like we were talking about alcohol and I'm like, you know, if you think that alcohol is going to give you a meaning to life, there's only one thing that could give you meaning to life. And, you know, you know, so it's not going to be alcohol because alcohol is not going to do it. And he's like, yeah, he's like, preach. And I'm like, I can't, I'm almost, I can't do it. All right. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For we are beside ourselves. It is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. So the reference in verse 12, uh, talking about just boasting about appearance and not in the heart, are the Judaizers who would say that to be a Christian, they were, these were people that would follow around Paul, and when he would leave, they would, they would uh, talk bad about him, say he was crazy, and then they would also say, like, they would add new rules for being uh, a Christian. Like, you had to get circumcised, you had to, uh, you know, eat kosher and follow the Sabbath. Like, you had to be Jewish in order to be Christian, right? So these were things that were added. So it's like, for any of you that are super tired of religion, right, these are the people trying to throw religion into our relationship with God. And we know that's about relationship, right? It's about our relationship with God directly. It's not through people. It's not through, uh, you know, some organized thing. We don't have to do or say or repeat prayers or all those things. It's just our relationship with God. So simple, right? But these are people that were following Paul saying that you had to do those things, right? So they, they were more worried more about the appearance, right? Imagine, imagine coming to church and, and you're just hurt and you just want to hear from God and someone's like, no, sorry, you don't have a skirt on. Like, that still happens today, right? You just want to hear, you just want to be in the presence of God, and someone says, no, I'm sorry, you can't be here, you're not in a suit. Like, it's just, it's, God is not at all in, interested in our outward appearance. He might change our outward appearance sometimes, you know, but that's a personal thing. But He wants our hearts, right? And the, the thing is, religion's focused on the outward. Look at how tired I am from fasting. Right? Like, look at my loud prayers. Aren't I holy? Right? And these are things that Jesus was rebuking. Like, stop, stop acting like that. It's like your heart is dirty, even on the outside. Imagine, you know, sometimes when my son does the, the dishes, the outside looks nice, but when you look inside the cup, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> um, I think I might have to wash this a little bit. Uh, right? We don't want, we don't want our, our walks to be like that. So uh, in verse 13, it says, beside yourselves, imagine, you know, uh, it was a term used back then uh, where you're someone's beside you, but there's actually no one there. So you're talking to them, thinking that there's someone there, just beside yourself. Because remember, people, people were saying that Paul was crazy. Um, even, you know, one, one of the, the, the head honchos that he was preaching to was saying, you know, you're, you're beside yourself with much learning. He's like, you're, you're crazy. For all this learning, you know, you, you're not, uh, you must have a death wish or something. And it's, in some ways, God will make us crazy because the things we do sometimes just don't make sense, especially to the world, right? But what freedom is, I'm telling you, from, from young to, to uh, more seasoned individuals here, uh, right? It, 
if, if you could just get out of the bondage of worrying about what people say and being pleasing to God, it frees up so much. And, you know, dabbling in, you know, uh, starting my own business and, and social media and stuff, there's so many people are haters and trolls and, and like, you know, the one voice can just be so, like, devastating. But the people that change the world are the ones that could just not listen to any of those things and just listen to whatever God's calling you to. And then all of a sudden, those haters and trolls become the same people that want to follow you and want, and want to be your friend. And then, you know, once you've made it, right, once God's put you in this place, but all through, you know, that, that struggle, that's hard, right? But God can do awesome, amazing things through our lives, but we're so scared about what others might say that we're like, we get held back. But God doesn't work like that, right? God doesn't work like that. Like, um, at the Christian club on Tuesday... I, I guess word got around, and Jefferson's like, I heard you cry. And I'm like, thanks, thanks, Jefferson. I was like, all right, I guess the word got around. So, like, as I was just talking to the kids, and I'm just like, I'm like, I just got overwhelmed. Because I'm like, what am I even doing here right now? Like, how is this happening? What am I doing here in, in my little fancy clothes, like, speaking in front of a church? Um, this is nothing I ever thought could ever happen. But it's just small choices and not listening to those little voices that tell me, like, don't do that. Don't spend time in the Word. Don't serve. Don't come to church. Don't. And it's like all these little choices, and God's just trying to get us to the point of, of being used by Him in mighty ways. And, it's, and for people that have known me for years, you know that, like, it's nothing of me. It's just God. And then that's who gets the glory, right? Like, that's who gets the glory, and that's what's awesome about what God can do in our lives. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in, new, in, in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So these things that we do in our lives, it's a, it, we're compelled to do it. If God's ever spoken you to do or share the love of, of him with somebody, it's like if you don't do it, it's torture because he just keeps nagging at you and nagging at you to say, share with this person, tell them I love them, um, you, know, you know, start serving. Do, you know, he's telling us to do these things, and if we don't, it's like we just... We just feel so convicted by it, right? It's like, but it's out of love. It's not, we don't do these things to gain righteousness with Jesus. We're already righteous because of Jesus. We do them because he loves us first, and now we love him back through our service and our, and our subjection to him. Matthew ten thirty nine. he who finds his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it, right? No wonder for years, the gambling, the drinking, the partying. None of those things brought peace to my life because I was trying to hold on and find my life myself. But when as I was finally able to give it up, that's when I finally found it. So like when people, you know, they'll, they'll try to, you know, um, see the, the product now, of, which is a work in progress, and say, you know, oh, you know, you're a good dad or father. Um, follow me all day and it's not that great first of all. And secondly, it's been a process. Like, it's been a real process. My flesh says serve self. My flesh, I'd be in, in three bowling leagues, five baseball leagues, a basketball league, and I would, I would never be home, and I would probably work in overtime trying to just buy stuff and not spending any time with any of them um, because, you know, it's just not in my flesh. It doesn't serve me, right? Um, but God, once he, once he changes us, uh, once, once we start to lose our life, that's when we actually find it. And then we, we have peace that's like, like, you know, I get excited to go to work now. I'm excited to go share the gospel and see what God has in store. Like, it's amazing. So when we get to that point, it's, it's no longer our lives, but we live for him. We live for him. But we're new creations, Right? So those old sins and, and that old life, they're dead, right? It's like if we, 
if we're now beautiful butterflies and we're trying to get back in the old cocoon or we try, try crawling on the floor and we're burning our little butterfly feet and God's trying to say, you're not that person anymore, right? But we have those old thoughts, right? And, and we feel comfortable and people might say, man, you're changing, right? But that's a good thing. That for, for, there was some time for, for years I was so scared of changing because I thought I was being fake that I didn't fully submit to Jesus. But it was a good thing that I'm metamorphosizing, that I'm changing. It was like a blessing. Now all things, now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, recon reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespass to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Reconciliation. So the thought that kind of comes to my mind or like separation, right? You're kind of separated and now you're reconciled. You're coming back. So the, our sins from the time we're born, right? And let's even go back further. Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve in the garden. Perfect fellowship with God. Everything was perfect. Sin came separated, right? So now we have separation from God, right? And as a result, back then, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to fast forward, so I'm not going to go deep into, um, into uh, Yom Kippur out of, out of our respective time, but imagine separation of sin, God and us, a chasm, right? What do we do with this sin? God gave us an ordinance to put it on an animal. I sinned against you, God. I'm putting it on this animal. I'm killing this animal as a sacrifice. Right now, I could be, you know, uh, those sins are covered, right, for a little bit, right. But then I sin again, another animal sin, right. Jesus gets sent. We put our sin on Him. It is finished. One time. That's all we have to do. One time is ask Him for forgiveness, right. And now that animal, instead of constantly doing it, is forever, okay. And Jesus now eradicates all those sins, and now we have fellowship with God, right, because of Jesus. So we have to put. Our sins on him. That's why, that's why he died. That's why he died on the cross. And then him resurrecting is the proof that, okay, he defeated death. Now we have fellowship with him. And then what's even more of a proof is we have the Holy Spirit living in us, right? That down payment, right? So what you're feeling, this is not, this is not just a feeling. This is not just, uh, you know, coincidence. This is, this is real. This is realer than, than the person sitting next to you. In verse 20, now then we are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So ambassadors. You think of someone saying like, welcome to Jesus and Christianity. Welcome. Right? You have a, a little badge. And you, you know, that's, that's what we have, right? The light, the light of Jesus living inside of us is our little welcome badge, and we're ambassadors now. We're trying to share the love of Jesus, right? What's wrong with these guys? Why are they so? Why are they always talking to me about Jesus? Okay, it's the compellingness of of Christ's love, like it's coming through us, and we're now ambassadors, and we're trying to share this love. It's nothing that we're gonna say, right? We've gone over that. It's nothing we're gonna say that's going to change anyone's mind. Uh, but we're just going to keep doing it until the Spirit of God does the work inside the person. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus took on every single sin in the history of mankind. And took it all, just like that animal would take on the sin for that person who was going to sacrifice that animal, right? It's that that substitute, uh, substi substitutionary sacrifice. He took on every single sin. It is finished. So do we have to keep putting Jesus on the cross? No, it is finished. It was done that one time. Okay. I'm sorry. I have to go. I have to go through this. All right. Yom Kippur. Some of you may have off tomorrow. Okay. Uh, why do you have off tomorrow? Starting tonight at uh, sundown is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Okay. The Day of Atonement is found in Leviticus 16:1 to 15, which is in the Old Testament. Okay. That's the Old Testament. Um, 
Um, it's actually, it goes on to verse 34. I want to read through this real quick, and then we're, uh, you know, I'm going to share just a little. And if you can't see Jesus in the in the Day of Atonement, um, then I don't know. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark lest he die for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Now remember, if you guys remember back um, in New Testament times, right? Uh, or in Old Testament too, there was a veil separating... Uh, the people, right, from God. And then what happened when Jesus died on the cross? It ripped, right? Because now we're not separated from God, right? If, you don't, if you're not understanding the Jewishness of your Christianity, then you're missing out on so much depth. Like, it's, it's unbelievable. He shall put the holy... Oh, thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as, an, as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with the linen turban he shall be attired. So what's happening here is the, holy, the, the high priest is putting on regular priestly clothes. A picture of Jesus putting on regular earthly clothes of a man. Okay? This, throughout, this is, this is uh, unbelievable stuff. These are holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering which is for himself and make atonement for himself for his house. Now, Jesus didn't have to do that. Why didn't Jesus have to do that? Because Jesus was sinless. He didn't have to do his own. He just had to sacrifice for others. Now, we're going to get, uh, you know, the term you heard, like the scapegoat. Right. Uh, this is where we get that from, because there's two goats. One is for uh, gets for all the people. Uh, the sin goes. This high priest sacrifices for all the people. Think of Jesus, right? The sin goes on this goat. Then they send them off into the wilderness. Okay, that's like a picture of your sin just being gone. Right, your sin's being gone. Your your sin is as far as the east is from the west. Right, and the other one is sacrifice. Then he shall take the two goats and present them to the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Uh, then verse, uh, verse 9, And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall kill the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, which is with his hand, full of sweet incense beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, and that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die." Okay, so if he didn't do these perfect, like he could die, right? Um, and do you think Aaron would believe it? Yes, because his two sons just got killed, okay? And he said, don't even cry about it because they went there into the presence of God and they tried to offer fire and God did not ask them to, okay? This is not, they're not playing around. Like, so we could get so much on the, on the mercy of God that we also don't understand the judgment and the holiness of him, right? So not that we're... Like, super scared, but there's a fear, of, a healthy fear of God. And he shall put the incense on the fire before that the cloud of incense cover the mercy seat on the testimony, lest he die. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. And before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Right? Uh, but I think like 15 years ago, we did a reenactment of this in one of our brother's basements, and I dressed up in like a bathrobe. And I was the high priest. <laughs> we did this. And I remember doing this with some like grape juice. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. Bring it its blood inside the veil. Do that with the blood as he did with blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat before the mercy seat. So he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgression for all their sins. 
And so we shall do for the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. So, I'm not, I'm not going to read through this whole thing, but just to understand, if, if there's anyone in here who has sinned, right? If there's anyone in here who's never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, okay? Don't wait till you know, you're, you think you're going to be ready. Don't wait till you think that you're going to get your life together and then follow Jesus. It, it doesn't happen that way. Because to do the things that God's convicting your heart to do is only by the Spirit of God. You can't do it yourself. It's impossible. Okay? And don't let another day go by where God is trying to just draw you in. Not with, not with brims, you know, brimstone and fire, but with love. He's drawing you in, saying, come to me. I love you. I love you. Speak into your heart. I love you. Come to me. And when we finally stop running, that's when we finally start living. Right? So, if anyone wants to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, uh, please just stay after. Okay? Um, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It's something personal between you and Jesus. But please stay after, um, and you could talk to myself or, or Pastor Drew, and uh, we could just help lead you in a, in a prayer. Um, and, and uh, you know, you could start finally giving up your life so you could actually start living it. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for today, and thank you for your word. And thank you, God, for uh, atoning for our sins. Uh, we don't have to do this yearly, God, because you said it's finished on the cross. So help us to, to just continue to confess our sins to you, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, help us to walk and live for you, God, and help us to live by the power of your Holy Spirit. And God, if you're speaking to anyone today, I pray that you convict them and to empower them to stay after for prayer, that we can um, help and minister to them in any way. And uh, just thank you, God. Thank you so much for all your patience you've had with us, your mercy, and your love. God, thank you for Jesus. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.